Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about uh, Unearthed Arcana with the genies and all this other stuff, and we talk about the life cycle of an RPG, and in this 10 years, that life cycle, does an RPG kind of end after 10 years? Stay tuned. Yeah, see, I did it. We had such a great intro. Ah, such a great intro. Totally muted. Oh, I hate when I do that. I used to do that a lot. (sighs) So let's start over. Hello, everybody. Jordan here. The PH is silent. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another great Saturday morning D&D show with all the glitches. This means it's real. This means it's not produced. This is just you get the real stuff from us. <laughs> oh, see that that uh, bye. Yeah, there we go. Now that cleaned up uh, audio um, will come in handy. So what? what I, right. Sorry, what I was saying is uh, mm-hmm. we do this show every Saturday. Um, <laughs> Uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, and you guys can uh, catch us live here, but the show is archived here. It is also a podcast, and you can check it out uh, as a podcast. And I see uh, we have some new people in chat, and so that was really great that I decided to be muted. Uh, never never change your audio settings. Lucian said hi to those new YouTubers, so it's okay. Never, never, uh, never mute your, uh, your yeah, uh, audio <laughs> settings before you start a show. Really bad. Um, here we are. Yeah, so awesome people. Uh, we're going to talk about Tabletop news, Dungeons and Dragons, RPGs in general, and mm-hmm. the the big news of the week was the Unearthed Arcana. Yeah, I Rogue mean, Warlock our, and Wizard. Yeah, packed our notes full of news this week, so I was like, "Yes, Jordan's on top of it." Yeah, um, <laughs> this was. I really liked all of these. Uh, so they revised all three. These previously were. We've seen them. Um, yeah, yeah. They had different names. I can't remember the Rogue one because it wasn't Phantom. But it's the same kind of idea. Like you, you Soul commune knife? with the dead, and then you uh, can get a proficiency and a skill that day. So it's kind of cool. Like you have this rotating proficiency that I always really liked. Or so like if you want to, well, yeah. If you want to, like before you go to bed, you commune with like ancestral spirits or the dead or something, and when you wake up, you are proficient in Arcana for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so that was really cool. And uh, yeah, like they were saying that this would be a good rogue for uh fey for like forgotten realms uh the the wiz- red wizards of fey so if you were yeah. a, a rogue of fey or something or if a necromancer or something could be mm-hmm. could be really fun i like that um what did what did you think of it i also like the idea that it could give you a route to play a remnant like a, a mm-hmm. revenant you know because we've seen those in some of the games we've, we've seen them in some of our other popular um uh in fact it was in I think it was in water deep without spoiling anything is there's possibilities that you can find somebody or interact with somebody there. And it was this cool idea of, a, of somebody who died horribly, but he has this such a strong vendetta that they come back and they're, they're going to go after whatever did it, you know, and mm-hmm. then that's kind of a cool thing. And that's what that road kind of felt like to me, just this huge amount of emotion that even though you died the emotion won't let you die because the yeah. emotion still needs to have resolve <laughs> yeah for sure walk that, walk that line no i had some fun things i like this idea that like uh when you when you get sneak attack on a creature you can like look over at another creature and just like psychically damage them and so mm-hmm. it's the idea i mean there's so many ways to flavor that 
Like I, I attack here. Um, and then I turn and I'm like, you're next. And that just that fright is enough to like kind of spook you. Yeah. 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 It's like always that thing where you have that, that projection of the scarier face or whatever, you know, the Scooby-Doo episode where (laughs) the bad guy looks kind of bad, but then they, then Scooby sees it. It's always a much bigger, you know, craziness to it. And it's that psychic, you know, it's that psychic damage happening. So I like that. Um, and then with different mechanics too. And that's what we did in a lot of these. Yeah. Yeah. They were fun. Uh, the, I'm going to be honest, the, the original genie warlock, I really Mm -hmm. did not like, it was this weird, like you tie yourself to another player and share damage between the two, which is a cool mechanic, but I didn't understand how it was like genie related, you know, like Mm -hmm. what, I feel like they had an idea and they kind of threw it in there, but this one, uh, very much or a lot better. Um, and you get to choose what kind of elemental genie you you are uh, making a pact with. And depending on that, you get different spells. So if you're an Afridi uh, genie patron, you get burning hands and fireball and things like that. You get fire related things. If you're uh, mm-hmm. a Dao, you get stone shape and wall of stone and things like that. Um, ninth level, uh, you all get wish. Uh, well, not at ninth level, sorry, at like level 18, ninth level spell. But I thought that was really interesting because no warlocks get spells above fifth except for um, certain like invocations and stuff. So mm-hmm, I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting. And wish and is very powerful. It is. Wish oh, yeah. <laughs> Thematically, totally makes sense. Just very powerful. It kind of surprised me. Um, and I imagine it's the same way, uh, it's the wish spell. So there's a 30% chance of it going away forever if you, Mm -hmm. uh, use it incorrectly or something, but, um, and I like that whole world of when you, when you really flesh out Jin as it being, it's a plane, it's a world, it's a space, and it has to do with elemental spirits, elemental entities, elemental, powerful beings, you know, and it Mm -hmm. really draws in earth, water, fire, and all these kinds of cool things. Cause you can really push your, um, your campaign into a lot of popular culture routes. If you wanted to go to, if you're a, you know, a last airbender fan, you could really dive into that elemental stuff being mixed together. And the types of things you might fight mm-hmm. could be the different types of gen that are out there. Like you're saying the freaks and Dao and all this other cool stuff that we don't get a lot in forgotten realms currently because we're on the sword coast. So we don't have a big presence of that. They're, they're much more spaced here or there maybe in a in an adventure or a dungeon or something but it's not like we can go to the land you know of gin which would be yeah really cool. um yeah uh the as far as like the sword coast kalimshan has a lot of like genie influence and stuff like that but for the most part you're talking about zakara which brings yeah. me to my next section is that there was a genie um not well the warlock class didn't exist in second edition but there were genie wizards and they very much operated like warlocks because you made a deal with a djinn and mm-hmm. y- you got a little genie servant called a jan and this this jan you would you would talk to it and you would be like hey you know what i really need a fireball and he's like i'm on it and the jan would leave go to the plane of elemental fire find that spell, bring it back and give it to you. And then you could cast it. And I thought that was such a cool mechanic. Um, It's exactly the same. Like I literally, this wizard cast fireball, I cast fireball. Um, But Mm -hmm. the thematic of it is really neat. And not only could you do uh, 
not only could you do elemental spells or arcane spells, that's the word I'm looking for, but you could do divine spells. So mm -hmm. you could talk to your Jan and be like, I really need to cure wounds tomorrow. And he's like, Ooh, I got to go talk to the gods for that. Like, that's kind of spooky. Are you sure you want me to do that? And you're like, yes. And there are percentile charts for him to go and see how successful he was negotiating a cure spell from a deity and then coming back and give it to you. And then if you knew the different deities, you could be like, no, 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 no. don't talk to Cyric. Go over here. Like my good friend Morden, he's going to hook you up with a cure spell. Um, I I really thought it was cool. There are aspects of the Sh uh, Shair genie wizards in this warlock, which I thought was really neat, um, mm -hmm. such as uh, Limited Wish. On 14th level, you get your patron to grant you a small wish, which is... A, uh, an effect of a six level spell or lower. So, mm -hmm. but that's any spell. So you could ask for any, any spell divine, anything like that. And I thought that was really, really awesome. Like yeah. there's just lots of cool stuff. And I think it'd be fun to, with warlocks, a lot of times you're talking about they're they're creating a pact with a higher being of some sort, some entity that is able to, bestows some power on them. Mm -hmm. Although I do like the way Jeremy always talks about it, is that's not the only place warlocks get power. They find spells and books. They do all this stuff because they're constantly out there finding stuff, but they do get some stuff, some power. And they've made a pact with this thing, but the pact almost never is in the favor of the warlocks. So I like the idea of trying to sit back and wonder, how did the genie make this pact with this genie warlock? And how is this pack not in the favor of the player yeah. at some point? What is the genie going to get out of this? What is the genie going to, is, you know, getting more of just like all these other packs? Because normally, you know, you're not making out as a warlock. Your due comes at the end when the, when your contract comes up, you get all this power now and it's cool and you're powerful. But I think that whole thing is, is that you're, you're building towards a horrible end of some sort. And you kind of know that, but you're like, I don't care. It's, I'll die. I'll, yeah. Yeah, that's when I end. I want to be powerful now. No, genies very is much are. Yeah. yeah, genies, their society is like, you follow me. Like, I'm in charge. And so mm -hmm. you're probably just another servant. And they're just like, if you're yeah. not going to do X, Y, and Z for me, we're going to have a conversation about what kind of a <laughs> patron I am here. So, um, yeah. and then some something so silly, but I loved it so much. And my brain immediately went to like a whole bunch of different places is uh, the the vessel and that you can put yourself in this like this oil lamp or ring or or whatever and it got me thinking that that's so cool and such a neat ability because you do that and the wizard uses mage hand to move it across or move it like across a pit or through 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 iron bars or something and then all of a sudden you've escaped and you're on the other side and i really liked that i thought it was fun so yeah, or get across the pit, or yeah. get past some type of trap. Or hide, like, and then out. later on, more people can go into it. So you could be, like, a really fancy ring and mm. uh, pay somebody, like, hey, I'm going to leave this ring in this jar at noon on Friday. I want you to pick it up and give it to the night commander or something. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. And so you pay off some kid, and then you all go in the ring, and he does that, and all of a sudden you're in the palace. And I was like, yeah. that's, I don't know, there's just a lot of fun aspects of that um that we haven't really seen so i thought that was really cool good heisty stuff yeah yeah like that like we can only allow one into the vault who will go and then you don't realize that there's somebody in the ring yeah. so your main guy's going in but they've got the ring and you're in the ring so yeah there's all kinds of cool little fun things you can do yeah i really like that and then finally we have the order of scribes which is kind of combining a couple of mm -hmm. past ones into one 
And yeah. I, I like this one a lot. It, it feels overpowered, but normally all of these feel overpowered with Unearthed Arcana because I feel from a design standpoint, it's easier to pull the reins back rather than mm-hmm. to push it forward. So if right. you make something really weak, you're just like, well, nobody liked it. It's not fun. We're not really sure what to do. But if you make it really powerful, they're like, we like all of these aspects. And they're like, that's great. We're going to make it a 2D6 rather than a 2D10 or something like that. Um, yeah. But this one is you're basically just a, a a scribe or or like a I mean, all wizards are like intellectual thinkers and studiers. But this is kind of taking it to a new level. And you get this mm-hmm. uh, magical quill that allows you to write text with. And this quill and the ink are kind of tied to you in that you can use your spellcasting book as a wizard focus. And when you write spells with this quill, the cost and stuff are halved. So you can like learn more magic than a typical conjuration wizard or necromancer or something like that. Um, And then you can replace the book uh, if it ever gets destroyed. That's kind of cool. Like, but even better, at, at some point, it's the idea that the book becomes sentient. <laughs> that's true. So, <laughs> and you uh, know yeah, that whole route of what happens when the mage's book has become powerful enough that it is that it is self-aware. <laughs> and we we started thinking about because the whole thing was, what if your character is the book, but you've created a thing that looks like a human because you realize that wizards will try to capture you if they think you're just a book. But if they think you're a wizard carrying around a book, they won't realize that's what you are. So it's right. almost like you're trying to hide amongst the mages using something that is like a disguised self or a, mm-hmm. or even like a golem. Maybe you've got some good golem type spells in there and you create a flesh golem that looks like a wizard. But really, this whole time, you're a book. That could be a lot of fun. I never thought about that. That'd be a good enemy, spells. wouldn't it? Like yeah. like an enemy, and so they defeat the wizard, and they're just like, oh, a spell book's left behind. And then all of a sudden, this book is That's like been the enemy. reconjuring <laughs> another him to, to do yeah. stuff. And so everyone's yeah, like, oh, it must be a lich or something. No, the book's just really evil. So <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, at 10th level, your, like, awakened spell book can, like, send forth a little... Uh, uh, spirit and like look around and do Mm -hmm. like all kinds of cool stuff so i also like the idea if you want to go a little bit more fun a little bit more saturday morning cartoonsy hey we all love that on this show you could you could dive into like the little witch or like all these kind of cartoony humor things where the book everybody has their own uh, awakened book and that takes the the shape of different things like mine might open up into a cool cake and yours might look like you know something else and it's it'd almost be like this show about kids and their awakened books almost you could do like you know kids on brooms or kids in space kind of thing mm-hmm. kids with their book you know and then that's their whole their whole yeah. thing there's so many different little animes i could think of that could match that kind of humor and fun kind of fun game that way so it sounds very interesting to be a scribe wizard one that's um the book has become so powerful that something happens with it so yeah no, it was, uh, it was really fun. And uh, now that I'm actually reading the document, good for me. Um, this yeah. is a reimagining of the Archivist subclass. Um, and it would yeah. be cool to go back and look at the Archivist and then this and see. And maybe maybe that's like a, a Twitch thing we need to do. Or well, something that sometime. one was a Artificer. Oh, so the Archivist was Artificer? Oh, it. okay. Yeah. I think they were trying oh, you're to right. move yeah. it because... They, they was like the, the AI it works and, better with a wizard subclass. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the feedback had been something about, yeah, the, the wizard subclass. So it was, I thought it was interesting. 
And then something that uh, the, the transparency of this yeah. is really cool. We don't get a lot of this is they just straight up said, hey, Onomancy and Psionics as wizard subclasses were not popular. We're we're dropping them. So like don't basically like I don't know. People are constantly like, what about this? They did. They gave another Arcana for this. And there must be a lot of times that this has happened in the past where they're just like, no, like this wasn't good. So we're not going to do anything with it. Um, mm-hmm. and that's the case with this, but they're letting us know. And so it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to just not have your hopes up anymore. You're like, oh, psionics will not be a wizard subclass. Like, okay. Right. So, yeah, that's not the route they're going to take. With mm-hmm. it. And I think it's interesting to be able to go back and say, you know, um, I hope to, I like that they take feedback, but they also have to, I feel like at some point they need creative freedom to be able to create. It can't just be, we're only going to create things that the majority like. Yeah. And I know that sounds really weird to say. When I say it out loud, my brain says that doesn't sound right at all. Right. But I feel like people need to be able to create, not worried about are 5 million people going to like it or only 1 million people going to like it. Sometimes you need that creativity just to happen, just to be and, and let it happen. So I hope, I hope we're giving them good feedback, but I also hope they're giving us creative stuff, not just based on what's the most popular. Yeah. And, and I don't um, think, uh, Popular, not in the sense of like most people don't like psionics. Um, I, I'm going to disagree with you, but I think the mm-hmm. the popularity is more like how likely is somebody to play this? Because yeah. uh, uh, I'm thinking back to the Spore Druid. Like everybody really liked the playtest. It was really cool. Then they released it and they nerfed it so much that it just kind of was like, well, that's not that's not fun anymore. Um, and so they lost something there. And I don't know anybody that plays a Spore Druid. Like, it's just not, mm-hmm. it was kind of just thrown into Ravnica for whatever. And uh, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about that. But if they make make it balanced and fun, make the gameplay fun, you know? But And right, they shouldn't be limited. And I don't think they are limiting themselves. Um, but there might be somebody there who's like hardcore, like, no, the psionic thing is fun. And they're just like, well, it didn't, it didn't pass all of these um, survey tests. But... We still might release it. I don't know. But. Yeah, and I think it's. So I see what you're saying. I don't know though. I don't. You can't yeah. judge things as being only good because a majority liked it. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's your point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it is a criteria that normally would work, and it does normally. And you're a business, just like somebody was saying in chat. It was Quintus was saying in chat. Hey, we got to sell books. Yeah. So it makes sense selling books with popular stuff in it. You're going to sell more books. Absolutely. Totally get it. I'm just saying. I hope that there's a way to also put in that that creative stuff that you know is creative, mm-hmm. whether it's a million people love it or maybe only a couple hundred thousand, but it's creative. It, it's not the best. It's not the, you know, but it, it's something cool we hadn't seen yet. It's something, you know, um, I, I feel artificers that way in some ways. I don't think everybody jumped on artificer. I think there's a big group of us that like it, but it's not the majority of, of the role-playing group or like Eberron. Eberron's a great world, but not everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. So if we went on total majority, Eberron wouldn't get made or, or Ravnica wouldn't have got made because they weren't high enough to be contending with, say, what what was uh, um, Sword Coast stuff was doing. Mm-hmm. But I like that. No, they stuck with it. We we get an Eberron. We get a Wild Mountain book. We get, a, you know, Ravnica. We're going to get a Theros book coming up, even though it's not the most popular thing that they could do. And then you have the most popular spell or the most popular campaign setting, Spelljammer. And they're not even they're not, not even, even touching yeah. that. <laughs> I don't get uh, it. <laughs> uh, other other interesting things in the news, and this will probably spark a good conversation. Um, Pathfinder First Edition 
There was mm -hmm. a tweet sent out by Paizo that first edition Pathfinder will receive no official updates or content again. Um, yeah, so don't. it is going to be Pathfinder second edition or bust. And uh, I'm surprised because it's 2020. They released this in 2019. Um, so this last year, have they been dual releasing stuff? Like, has it been... Sorry, Pathfinder 2 is 2019. So has it been like, here's an adventure, here's the first edition adventure, here's this other adventure? Because I remember when D&D Next playtest was happening, they, they would make an adventure, and here they were like, here's the 3.5 version, here's the D&D Next version, and here's the fourth edition version. So that people could maybe see, like, oh, let's play it as fourth edition, then let's play it as D&D Next so we can see how it's different. I was wondering, I don't know if Pathfinder did that, but... Yeah, we would have to watch like a Pathfinder Saturday morning D&D or Pathfinder show yeah. because they might have been able to say, my guess is they've still been doing their living campaign, which is hugely popular with the Pathfinder yeah, group. Yeah, Pathfinder Society. Even more so than I would say uh, what we do at Dungeons and Dragons typically because um, when I go to all the conventions, the Pathfinder Society stuff is humongous. Yeah. There's a lot of tables, a lot of players, a lot of stuff going on. So I assume they were still doing those things. I assume they were still creating adventures for those events. So I assume they were still putting out that kind of content. But I imagine maybe they were starting to get lots of questions about when is the next supplement for, you know, when do we see another class guide for Pathfinder? When do we see this or that? And I think maybe they just had to say, you know what? Hey, guys, we're focused on Pathfinder 2 at this point and probably Starfinder 1.5 or they're going to shift it to 2-ish. Because I know they want to use a lot of those rules from Starfinder in the in the new Pathfinder 2, and they want to bring up some of those Starfinder stuff. So they've got those two kind of, Paizo's got those two big um, products to, to run with, and now it's time to put P. But I like what you said, is that is 10 years about the life cycle of an RPG. Yeah, so Pathfinder came out in 2009 and then ended yeah. in 2019, basically. Um, and then I was thinking about past editions of D&D, is an RPG life cycle 10 years? Is that is that what we can just kind of expect? And so 2024, 2025, we're going to get 5.5 or 6 edition D&D? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think they, they struggle. I think we've talked about this too. You begin to struggle with, over the years, you put out a lot of product. At what point have you oversaturated the market with that version and now you have to go back and say, we need to condense it, make it easier, make it better to understand. So somebody new coming in doesn't need to buy 20 books to catch up with all of us that have been playing for nine years and have all the other stuff versus, you know, what's the, what's the monetary decision being made here? What's the creative decision being made here? Is it time? Like if you're, if me and you are a designer and we've been working on, you were just talking about before the show, the really cool uh, campaign world you've been thinking about. Let's say for 10 years, you've been working on that one. You've got products out. At what point do you say, you know what? I've had this other idea and I really want to go to do this one now. I've done this one for 10 years. It's good. I like it, but man, I've had this other one that I really want to work on now. So are we at that point with them where they're like, you know, with their Pathfinder 2, now they're like ready to go. I think the worlds are the same in Pathfinder though, right? They, they haven't changed their setting oh no yeah i think it's set, the same right? it's just the rules yeah it's it's an update yeah. so um but it so this leads me to a thought process um thursday night we were talking about pokemon for some reason at my D, &D game amazing and uh my dm was like you know i kind of want to make like not a pokemon rpg but like i want 
I want a wizard battle board game that is like Pokemon. And we were talking about like, well, Pokemon has, you know, not only are the attacks like an attack against, you know, so my fire attack against a, a plant Pokemon does extra damage. Um, wizards don't have types like that. So that would be kind of different. And he's like, no, but like, if you knew they were doing a fire spell, you could counter it with this or something. And so he had like an interesting idea, but it got us talking about Pokemon. And apparently they're big Pokemon fans and that the latest Pokemon game doesn't have all 1,020 Pokemon in it. And that got us talking about uh, balancing that many things. So as Pokemon got bigger, there became a competitive scene for it. Now that there's a competitive scene for it, it's really hard to balance like 1,024 different Pokemon in a single game that you're going to use to go to tournaments and stuff. And uh, other companies do this all the time. And I'm going to use Wizards of the Coast again, but Magic the Gathering, they say, hey, for tournaments, you can only use these last three releases because that's what we've balanced it for. If you Mm -hmm. include every Magic card that's ever been made, there's probably a deck out there that is so broken, but we want to keep it fun and we want to do this. And I think, and his, his point was that Pokemon is kind of doing the same thing where they're saying, Mm -hmm. we're only going to have 300 Pokemon in this new game because we can balance it competitively for 300 Pokemon. I kind of, I don't know. So that saying, or saying that if a RPG life cycle is 10 years after they create so much stuff, and I know there's not a competitive D&D scene, but there is a way you can break certain characters. Does it get to the point where they're like, we could release new stuff, but it actually is just a reimagining of this. The genie warlock that we're releasing is actually just like the, um, I don't know, elemental ranger that we created five months ago or something. And wow. so you're you're not able to have ingenuity uh, but then that being said, if you just create a sixth edition D&D, do you turn around and you're like, well, we're going to just rehash you the genie back warlock and it'll give you back again. <laughs> um, so I don't know to answer this question, because I actually wanted to answer it. I think that an RPG life cycle is 10 years, um, because if you're constantly creating new content for it, not just adventures, because you could create adventures till you're blue in the face, i.e. Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, they are like, here's our core book. We're really happy with it. We're going to focus on just making little fun adventures for you to buy. But the things that really sell are, um, new mechanics, new classes, new things like that. So, uh, I think it is 10 years and I wouldn't be surprised if we have to have another edition and then we're going to get into edition wars again in the future, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So when is, if that's true, that holds true. When is 10 years for fifth edition? I think 2023, 2024. All right. So you guys remember to remind us on May 16th or whatever the closest Saturday is. To oh, that 2012. 2020. Sorry. Public. Okay. Okay. The 2022. Uh, tw- yeah. So no. 2022. No. <laughs> um, the the 5e basic rules free PDF mm-hmm. was released on July 3rd, 2014. So I think in 2024, and I think 2025 uh-huh. is the 50th anniversary of Wizards. And oh. uh, Ted and I were talking that previously it's been on those anniversaries that they have released new versions of D&D. And so... Uh, I could see it. Not the 50th anniversary of Wizards. Sorry, the 50th anniversary of Dungeons & Dragons. So 2024 mm-hmm. is going to be a big year. And I, 
I don't know, sixth edition D&D could be right around the corner. All right, everybody survive till then. We'll all meet back here yeah. 2024 on the show. In May-ish is when we'll start hyping it up because we know it's going to happen in July then. <laughs> but what about, do you think it's 10 years? Like an RPG I life think cycle? It's, yeah, and I, and I think like it's what you pointed out was perfect. You, you kind of said it. There's not really much I can add to it except the idea that it's not one thing that makes it fail or succeed. I think you're right with 10 years. You've got a, a combination of things happening. Balancing issue starts to come in there. Saturation starts to come in there. Um, moving on with new designers starts to come in there. Making money for the company starts to come in there. Um, how many books are you going to have? How easy is it for a new person to get involved at that point? Because at some point it becomes really hard for somebody new to jump into something that is so established and so long. So there's all these factors and the designers are all thinking about all these different factors and, and just like little, like little um, dials that they're all kind of fine tuning. Um, I think they come up with what they think they're, their perfect equation is 10 years sounds about right a decade think about that a decade at this point and you do what two three books a year i mean and that's yeah. that's moderate paizo does more than that but if you are if you are just like no we do about two three books a year i mean that's like 25 30 books and mm-hmm. that's not just adventures that's supplements and monsters and you know Ooh. and yeah and we've Content. only had one, well, I shouldn't say that. We have had the Xanathar's Guide, which is kind of like the Player's Handbook Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of those have come out with, uh, I, I was going to say new backgrounds, but backgrounds are kind of, anyone can design a background. Like they're, they're not, yeah. not game breaking. Well, but well, back uh, three, new, new classes and a lot of new yeah. races. Every yeah. book seems to have new races. Like Volos had new races and Mordenkainen's have new races. And, um, blah, and a lot of these had new races. And then you throw Eberron in there. And, and so, and then you have, you know, uh, Theros is coming out with two new classes uh, mm-hmm. or subclasses. And, and we're getting subclasses in Ravnica and we're getting subclasses here. So they are sprinkling it throughout, you know. So it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, Onomancy or whatever, not Onomancy, but the the Wildmount one. You know, we got new subclass there for magic. So Echo Knight and... Uh... yeah. Yeah, what was his yeah, his term for it? chronomancy or something? There was another one. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So I think it's good. I think it's good. It's, just it's, kind, of, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I've invested so much of my time and life into D&D 5th edition. It will be interesting for it to change. And, it, and if I'm like, I don't know if I like 6th edition or if I'm just nostalgic for 5th edition. But that is the, mm-hmm. that is the fighting, the edition wars fighting that goes on. That's why the 3.5 players always thought they were so much better yeah. than the fourth edition players. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, or will it become another lost edition? Like almost like fourth edition has become the lost edition at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Does fifth edition still do well. Does sixth edition become a lost edition? And it's when seventh is when it picks back up again. Who knows? I hope I'm alive <laughs> to, to figure it all out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, uh, something that we didn't talk about last week, but we should should have is D and D Beyond has dice rolling now. If you are a subscriber to D and D Beyond, if you use their service, you can roll dice within the web page. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's in alpha, so it definitely needs a lot of work. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting. Um, I still really prefer the thing you showed me, Lucian, where you can have that plugin that rolls it into uh, Roll Twenty. And I've, I use that a lot, especially when I'm running Rod of Seven Parts, because I can bring up a monster and just click, 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 and it rolls for me. And I don't have to, I can keep the action going, I feel. I really like that. Yeah, you don't so. have to do all that setup, because it's kind of already there if you have all those resources already, which is nice. 
Um, and then finally, I love uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, and they have a Kickstarter for something called Empires of the East. And that actually, speaking of directions of RPGs, that is the direction that RPG is going, um, mm-hmm. where they're now not focusing on a ton of adventures, but rather campaign settings that change how you play. So the Lankmar campaign setting was their first one. And in Lankmar, there's no healers. So they changed the mechanics that you can use luck to, uh, you, you basically spend like, I want to spend two points of luck and I can roll 2D hit die to heal that amount. And so, and, and then there's a whole mechanic of getting fleeting luck, which you kind of hand out at the table like candy. So it's like, oh, you rolled a 20, take this and stuff. So it's cool, but they're changing the way you play for that particular setting. Um, and they have a new setting called Empires of the East that's going to have equally different game-changing rules to make it feel like you're playing in this campaign setting. And Empires of the East is a is a famous, and I haven't read it, so I don't know, but it's a famous uh, fantasy novel from the 60s and 70s that uh, inspired Dungeons & Dragons. That's DCC's mm-hmm. whole thing, is their like, Appendix N is all the books Gary Gygax read that inspired him to make D&D and so you should go and da da da. And later on, they're having like the Dying Earth uh, campaign setting coming out in 2021, which I'm really excited for. So, um, but you should check out. Yeah, if you like, yeah, I'm, I I backed it. It was only thirty dollars for a PDF and a hardcover book, and you mm-hmm. get new mechanics and stuff if you play DCC. It's really cool. Yeah, Kickstarters are great too. I, I love them because they're like Christmas all year long. You never know when it's going to get completed. You never quite know when something's going to get shipped to you. And then all of a sudden you open your mailbox and there's your box from some Kickstarter you had done. And you're like, Oh my God, here it is. It's great. I've been waiting for this. So are you, uh, you've probably got a lot of Kickstarters going on then still. I'm doing one a month. Typically I I try to limit myself to one a month because I'm spending about 40 or $50 on any of the Kickstarters I'm doing. That's my kind of my budget. And uh, so Tolis was my last one. I don't think I found one for May yet. I'm still keeping an eye out for my May uh, Kickstarter. But yeah, since January, I did a January, February, March uh, Kickstarter. So we'll see. We'll see what we get for May and June coming up. I'll keep yeah. my eyes. And you do, but you do board games, not just RPGs as well. So like most, know. but I'm, I'm starting to lean back towards just RPGs oh, really? because I, I get all these really cool board games that I never can. We talked about. Yeah, this that's true. We did talk about this. board games and then we can't get any way to play them. It's I can find RPG players. I can't find board game players anywhere. That's funny. That's been really a struggle. So, cause there's so many cool board games out there that I want to play. That and card games, I'll I'll do too. So I'll do some CCG stuff. So like, um, I liked uh, the uh, uh, Key Forge, which was also done by the guy who created uh, Magic: The Gathering and Legendary Living Card Games. There's some good Marvel ones out there, superhero ones. I'm a big superhero sucker, so every time I see a superhero Kickstarter, I'm a part of that. <laughs> you know, anytime Monty Cook puts a Kickstarter out, for some reason, I'm a part of that because I just love everything they do over at Monty Cook. And- they have a uh, Monty Cook games. We didn't put this in the notes, but they just released a uh, Monty Cook game art uh, quarantine masks. So you can get oh, like the cool. um, the invisible sun logo behind me. You can get that yeah. on a mask, or you can get um, like cipher system art. or something. Uh, it's it's really cool, and I think all of the proceeds to that go to a charity to help. So because Monty Cook yeah. games, they're just so cool. They're very cool. I Speaking of really cool, Bardic Inspiration. The coolest part of our whole show. The coolest part of our show is where we talk about things that inspired us, things throughout the week that have inspired uh, a, a D&D something. Mechanic, game, campaign mm-hmm. setting, 
dogs yeah. playing poker, anything. So anything that happened, <laughs> Lucian, what was your bardic inspiration this week? I went back to it. This is an oldie, but a goodie. I, I feel like this is one that we may have brought up in the past. Some of you that have been longtime show watchers might've also recognized you used to hear about how the black door campaign was going, but the black door campaign for me was this really fun idea of Lucian wants to bring things into Dungeons and Dragons that are not necessarily Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's other worlds or other mechanics or other ideas, but how do I do that and still keep my game rooted in the sword coast so that they, my players still have something to latch onto as, as what is normal. And then I can introduce what is abnormal Mm. to that. Right. And so the black door campaign was this idea of in a silvery moon, they have several teleportation circles that allow you to travel to some of the other bigger cities. And I thought that's a cool idea. And in the school of wizardry is where these things are located. I also thought, well, what would happen if the experiments they were doing to build those portals, Mm -hmm. they had a bunch of ones that didn't go where they thought they were going to go. So they have Mm -hmm. this hallway filled with colored doors of portals that they created, but didn't go where they were supposed to go. Maybe they went to new worlds. Maybe they went to new dimensions. Maybe they went to just different parts of the Sword Coast that we've never didn't know where where it pops out at. Maybe it goes all the way over to Thay or something or does anything like that, Zakara or whatever. But in in my case, I used it to then also open and allow my players to go to places like the Warhammer fantasy world. Um, I also created a world that was based on our planet using Google Maps in all of the roads and all of the things that are here but it was a world that had been overrun by demons and, and uh, undead. So mm. basically it was like a huge zombie apocalypse and they pop out. And what do these characters do with the zombie apocalypse and those that are survivors in the zombie apocalypse world, but also with some demons that are in there and doing some cool stuff. And then, so what I liked about the whole idea was having portals that went to other places to be able to explore new mechanics or new things or new ideas that you want to do and keep them in your game. And I always liked that the black door was the one that led to the Warhammer world. And that's why we called it. That was the first one they went through. And I loved trying to figure out how would you get players to want to go through there? You know, so we had a patron who hired them and what he wanted was information about what is on the other side and then when they come back, he's like, well, can you find any magical items? Because I want to know about the type of magic that exists in that world. So they'd go back and they'd try to find some of that. And then they would come back and say, well, here's something we found. And the mage would be like, oh, cool. You can keep all this other stuff, but I want this book or I want this thing. or I want this one artifact. And so it was really cool coming up with reasons to send the group through. Mm-hmm. Reasons that they also could be very expendable because if they just lost him, he was pretty clear on we're not sending anybody in to rescue you or get you back out so he was still um creating these adventures for people who were on the down and out and and were willing to really risk it all because their life had not gone so good in hopes of finding treasure and his idea was you could keep all the treasure you want i just want the magic that you bring back and so Mm. it's kind of a cool thing so i just want to bring it back up another inspiration for how to add in something like if you really you love your dcc and you love your lankmar you love your your empires of the east and you want to get your players who are in your rod of seven parts maybe they they contact some of this empire of the east after you do something or maybe something happens with they go to lankmar for just a, a side mission or whatever and they can be as small as side missions or you can form a whole campaign on hey 
we're sending you through as the vanguard for Silvery Moon, and we want you to set up an outpost, and we're going to start doing trade, and we're going to we're going to do this whole thing. You know, it could be as big as that type of a campaign, or as small as I need you to go for one adventure, get the 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 the, the gotcha, and come back, and we're done. You know, move on, and do the rest of our stuff. I've always so wanted to do a black door. I've always wanted to do a fifth edition game, and and I I, I feel like I can't do this because I don't want to automatically set up my players for failure, but I've mm-hmm. wanted to do a fifth edition game where they fail to beat the bad guy. They're like frozen in time or in hibernation or something. And the bad guy wins and the world is destroyed. And we flash forward like 300 years. Now this guy who's is the big bad guy is reigning supreme over um, everything. And he's Mm -hmm. evil and the world is just destroyed. And also like magic is destroyed and a lot of other stuff. So then you would shift the campaign over to uh, dungeon crawl classics and then you would play a Dungeon Crawl Classics game to rescue these people out of hibernation. And then when those break free, then you would switch your players back to those original players. And they still having fifth edition mechanics would be so much more powerful and able to do cool stuff. And I was like, that would be a fun campaign. But it hinges on your players losing. And I feel I feel like they need to lose naturally in order for that to happen. Um, yeah. You can't just be like, he's too strong trust me, this will be cool guys. Like, no, it, it has to be, they just have to naturally fail. So you can still, I don't know. You can still do it if it happened. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So what about your awesome inspiration this week? What, what made your brain go? I should make a campaign on that or there's a cool mechanic sitting there. Yeah. So I, um, have been reading about artifacts in the forgotten realms. And, uh, last Wednesday I released a video on Quinchenabon which is uh, the, the crystal shard. It's famous from some of the, the Drist books and what have you. Um, but it had a really interesting history. And so I kept reading about various Forgotten Realms artifacts. And there are these interesting ones called the Seven Lost Rings of, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Mazentul. Um, the Seven Lost Rings of Mazentul. And Mazentul was a great wizard back in the day of the Forgotten Realms. And he cre- crafted these seven rings that did really amazing powers. Seven um, rings crafted, you said. Yeah, and then there was one ring that was special. <laughs> seven were given to the dwarves. Uh, anyway, he uh, created these rings, uh, and he died fighting against uh, the cult of the dragon. Um, he was very much uh, obsessed with flame magic. So actually, and I'm making a video on this, which is why I so know so much. So you're getting a little preview of Wednesday's video. But uh, he was fighting the cult of the dragon, and... Uh, he became so obsessed with fire magic that his body transformed while he was fighting them into a pillar of flame. And he just like mowed down this army, but he couldn't stop it. He couldn't really control it. And he, he went out into the ocean and nobody knows what happened to him. They all think he died. So I think a really fun campaign would be to say like you stumble upon one of these rings. And I, I mean, I'm doing rod of seven parts, but I'm a sucker for, uh, seven rings well I, seven yeah parts. Seven parts. but i'm a sucker for uh fetch quests like i like that and mm-hmm. then the more of these rings you get the more of the story you uncover and the more of whatever now rod of seven parts very much has like a, a campaign around it the cool thing about the seven lost rings of of men's Bazentul is there's a little information on two of the rings like two of them were found but we don't know where the other uh five are and we don't know how they were crafted and supposedly this wizard had a book on how he crafted the rings. So, so not only um, 
are you searching for these rings? But maybe in order to find them all, you need to find this book and actually recraft a few of them or something. Um, mm-hmm. And that could be a whole thing. So I don't know. That, I was really excited about this. And I was like, that would make a fun, unique Forgotten Realms game. Because you get to see a lot of different parts of the realms. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's a wizard that doesn't have a lot written about him. So you can make up a lot of stuff. It's not like your players are going to be like, uh, canon. Um, Elminster was oh, actually sir, over uh, here in those times and, you know, and yeah. stuff like that, uh, which I think is the number one complaint people it's have with the realms, um, is that there are those people that are so well knowledge about it that they correct the DM and they're right, but it doesn't feel good that they're right. So, so the seven lost rings of, uh, Mazentul, if you're interested in that, uh, check it out Wednesday. We're going to, ha- I'm going to have a video on it on the, the Jordan with a pH channel. And, uh, uh, yeah, I still have to, I haven't written. I just have to record it and start editing, but yeah. Sounds quite epic. Almost like you could run your home party through that when they get back together. I could. Yeah. That'd be a good one. (laughs) I don't know that game. We haven't played since the COVID. So we might, we might do social distancing play. Um, cause they don't, they don't really want to play online, but, uh, we've been having picnics in our front yard, uh, Mm -hmm. with friends, who are six feet apart and it's been really fun because we could still see people and hang out, but we're not, you know, swapping germs. And, uh, we've been talking about doing out in the front lawn D and D. And so mm-hmm. people are going to bring their trays and their dice and snacks and we're all just going to play. So we might play D and D next Saturday, which will be fun. But, Very um, cool. but speaking of dungeons and dragons and games, uh, we also like to talk about the games that we played during the week. Lucian, what's going on in uh, Waterdeep acquisitions incorporated. Yeah. So, I love that we're we're combining the two still. We're still having quite a bit of fun. Which is Waterdeep Dragon um, Heist and the... Waterdeep Acqu- Dragon yeah. Heist and Acquisition Inc.'s book. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we are a franchise of Acquisitions Inc. Um, I like that we're playing the Misfits of Acquisitions Inc. We're like the, uh, the A-team as far as the TV show from the 80s, not the A-team from the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Acquisitions Inc. And uh, we're just Misfits. And we had a death. Um, one of our characters died. Obviously what happened was, is we had this weird thing where one of our players had to leave to take care of something that was happening. And I don't want to get into any of that, but that meant we were in a chase and we were fighting and he went down and the dungeon master decided, well, he's not back yet. I'll just start rolling the death saves as they come up for him. Well, the DM always rolls terrible death saves for a character. So never let your DM roll your death saves if he can help it. He couldn't help it. There was a big thing going on um, that needed to be taken care of, and he couldn't just sit there while it was happening. So he rolls his death saves. He doesn't make them. Character dead. So a couple of our characters um, are are broken by this, and they want Mm -hmm. to resurrect them, and it's easily we could take the body, go to somewhere, and then we could work out some debt. And that's usually the way you can handle it. And I was like, I was kind of typing to him when he got back. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? Because it's your chance. See, and I'm of the influence. If one of my characters dies, don't bring him back because I'm so excited to make a new character that I can't wait for the opportunity. So I'll play my character to the hill. But if it dies, just let it go because I'm already going to get to play something different. And I've got these ideas. Not everybody's that way. And it made me think about, well, we should, as a group, talk about it. It's a little metagamey, but it's also this idea of what's fun for each person. Sometimes mm-hmm. creating new characters is fun for a person, so that's let them do that. Don't take that away. But also, some people are really attached to their character. 
And if you know that, then it makes sense to take them to the temple, have them resurrected, and we can be in debt to that temple, or we can do quests for that temple to pay off whatever we need to pay off to bring our, our companion back uh, from life, you know, or from, from the world of death. So mm -hmm. they continue to play this beloved character they have. So that was the thing I wanted to point out in, in my game. We are in the midst of some mystery that's going on. We've, we've gotten embroiled and it feels like there's two factions maybe vying for power. And we threw ourselves in the middle and obviously got ground up a little bit because I went down, but I made my death saves. Mm -hmm. Our thief went down, didn't make the death saves. Um, we had another character go down, but got dragged out and healed before he had to make all of the death saves. So it was a, one of these intense battles where yeah. we were getting beat up. And it also made me think, what is this adventure where I'm a third level character and I'm fighting all these guys with three attacks per round and two attacks per round. I've got one attack at third level. Give me a break. What's going on with this balancing? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, it was, a, it was a tough battle. We made it out. We'll have to see what's going to happen this week when we've made it back. We're licking our wounds we don't know what our characters, our, our buddy's going to do. He's going to make a new character or if we're going to resurrect the old one. He still hasn't mm -hmm. told us yet. He's rolled some new stats. So I'm, I think he's leaning that way. So we might have a new character. And I already brought in a new character. My halfling has now been put on the sideline because our, our party's a bunch of criminals. And I brought in Shady Tooth the Bugbear, um, Gloomstalker, Ranger, who fits right in with burning houses down and and doing what they want to do all on the bad side of the law in Waterdeep and trying not to get caught while we do it. Um, and that's been really fun. But again, if I told them, if Shady dies, mm -hmm. don't bring Shady back because I've got another idea for a <laughs> play and it's going to be cool. It's going to be really fun. So I just thought that was interesting. What about you? Is, are you the player that you want your group to bring you back? Let's talk because you're going to tell us about your campaign coming up. You're getting into your character. You're getting into this wizard you've created for Wildmont. Have you told your party, I really love this character, so if something happens, help me out? Or have you told them, hey, something happens, no big deal. Have you given them a hint which way you lean in this? No, I, I haven't given them a hint, um, but I, I think I would prefer them to roleplay it. And uh, so... Personally, Jordan would be fine. Like, I love my wizard character. I would like them very much to bring him back. That would be really cool. Um, mm -hmm. If there was a cool thematic or story-driven reason for him to come back, that would also, or that would be even cooler. If there was a story reason for him to stay dead, that would be cool. Um, I can always come up with a new character. Like, I've got millions of characters I want to play. Uh, that being said, I, I think personally, I would, I would just say, guys, I'm dead. Like, I can't give you input. Yeah, if you want to cast speak with fate. dead, like if you want to cast speak with dead on me, I'll answer. There you go. I like yeah. that, but I don't necessarily think that. Um, Maybe yeah. you're in heaven. Yeah. Who, yeah. No, I don't want to leave. Like whatever. Yeah. What's going so, on? So, um, I think I would leave it to them. Uh, and I, in thinking about that, we're all kind of like a ragtag group of people that were thrown together. Um, I, I also don't think these, these, my party members were not lifelong friends. I think they would be like, well, that sucks. I guess I'll take his magic this, you know? And yeah, I, like, yeah, I don't think they would, uh, yeah, I don't think it would be something that they, that comes up. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a good question though. Like what, what's the right, well, not that there's a right and wrong way to play D and D, but like, what's <laughs> good for you? Is it yeah. guys? I know like, 
I don't, we always talk about my wife and her, her dog in our campaign where she's just like, you can kill me. But like, if the dog gets hurt, that's not going to happen. And so she, she has made it very clear from the very beginning that, uh, Oscaru, her fake Corgi mount is not to be taken away from her. Um, but if, if, uh, her character Aramith dies, she's like, well, I'll make another character who then will befriend (laughs) Oscaru. And so I'm like, okay, so you're just always going to have this dog. That's fine. Got it clear. That's what, that's your fun. And that's, I think where I was going with it too, is just make what's fun for you kind of known. So people have ways they can think about how to interact in that. We can all play our fun. We can find a way for you to have your fun and I can have my fun and we'll find a way for the story to, to make it work. And we're all doing that. So then we're not maybe playing something we don't want to play or we're doing some, like if you lose a beloved character, that can, that can crush a campaign. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, we're playing Saturday. Well, I got stuff. I really is going to do. Jordan. No. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't want to, if you don't, you might not want to yeah. play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of people in, and think mm-hmm. about it. If you get to level 14 and your character just kind of dies cause he failed a, sef- a death saving throw, um, mm-hmm. that hurts. And, yeah. But D and D fifth edition, it is really easy to bring people back. Right. Um, and so I think if you are truly attached to that character, um, your DM will say, listen, you guys are in a problem right now. I want you to roll a random level 12 thief. They're mm-hmm. going to find you in a cage. You're going to play that guy till we can get you back to town and actually spend the money to bring back your character, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah. let them know that I'm not, hanging you out to dry like you're mm-hmm. you're taken care of don't tell the rest of them but we'll figure it out so yeah <laughs> i don't know so what about jordan's games we kind of talked we touched a little bit on them but yeah give you some more time here to kind of tell us about the rod of seven parts and the wild mount game that's going on yeah so uh rod of seven parts my wednesday live stream game you can check us out on nerd immersions channel uh on 8 30 eastern and we we've been playing that it's lots of fun um we uh they had to infiltrate a giant's wedding because they're searching for these rod fragments and the rod fragments took them to a mountain and at the top of this mountain they're having a wedding between cloud giants and fire giants they're trying to join the families um and there are uh, a a pair of silver dragons that do not like this because i think the dragons feel that if the giants combine forces they're going to be outnumbered and they're going to get driven off and this is their home too so there's a big fight going on between dragons and uh, the parents want their kids to get to marry for the joining, but the kids don't really want to marry each other. Um, and then on top of that, spider fiends are bubbling up in the castle because they're, these spider fiends are also drawn to the rod and they want the, the rod fragment. Um, so our friends show up and they snuck in. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun with this. Uh, it ended on a very big cliffhanger where they got the rod fragment and now they have to figure out how to escape. And they're not entirely sure how to do that. So that's their third rod. This will be their third rod fragment. Yeah, yeah. Three. All right. And they also, so some of their side quests are find the rod fragments and also uh, figure out how to combine them back together. Cause right now, if they put two together, they blow apart and they, they, they fly like 60 feet and weird stuff happens. So they need to find the correct ritual to reattach them. And uh, it's really cool. Like when they do get really attached or when they get attached again, uh, Let's say this rod fragment can cast slow and this one has cure wounds. If you put the two together, it can still cast slow and cure wounds, but it gets a third cool ability. And by the time they actually finish this artifact, 
it's going to be a very powerful cool artifact. And I'm curious what our players will do because all of them are kind of invested in this, but I have mm -hmm. four players and only one artifact. So right. who's going to get it? Are we going to have a big battle royale at the end of this campaign? I don't know. Yeah, I like um, it. But it's going to be, it's fun. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, again, you guys can check it out live. If you subscribe on my Patreon, it's all there in podcast format if you prefer to listen to it. Lots of fun. Uh, my Wild Mount game was canceled last week because of Mother's Day. Um, so uh, I'm playing tonight. I'm really excited about that. We'll see what's going on. Um, but something I wanted to bring up is I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to this. Uh, they were like, hey, do you want to play in this game? And I said, yes. And I made this wizard, a tiefling wizard, who's greedy. And that's really all I did. And then mm -hmm. we started playing, and they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, what? Round. And <laughs> I realized that when I'm a DM, I hate that. I hate it when mm -hmm. a player is just like, I just, I have a fighter. I don't know. I'm, I want to fight things. And that's totally what I did. I didn't want to be invested in, um, wild mount into you. critical roles world i just was like i don't know i don't i'm not invested mm -hmm. in this uh so i took a day i did my homework i read up on here's tieflings here's where the majority of tieflings are from here's how they're looked at here how this is how wizards are looked at here's the overarching war here's what side you would probably be on who do you want to worship you and i i went through all of the questions and I, I did my homework and then I presented that to my DM and he was very thankful. He's like, I can do a lot with this. Thank you. And so this is my PSA to everybody out there. Make your DM's life easier. Um, don't necessarily tell them this is what happened and this is what I want to happen, but like work with them um, and do your homework for a campaign. So if they are saying, hey, this is a homebrew world of mine, um, and, uh, I need you guys to read this like one page summary, read it, understand it, mm -hmm. come to the table, knowing what's going on. Cause it helps your DM out. And I guarantee you're going to have more fun. I'm now more excited to play because I'm recognizing the areas we're going to and the severity of the war that's going on. So I'm excited. It should be a lot of fun. Um, in other news, I'm running uh, dungeon crawl classics tomorrow. I'm really excited. Uh, it is the people from the pit which is the name of the level one adventure. Um, and we're going to do that uh, on online, but we're not going to stream it. It's just like local friends here that want to play. It's my, I feel like they have an adventure called purple people eaters too. Don't they? Uh, tail, uh, purple planet perils of the purple planet, <laughs> okay. but I don't think there's a purple people eater, but <laughs> there should uh, be. this is a really interesting um, every, every time I read a, a DCC game, they always have a fun way of making you a fun way of using some kind of new mechanic. So there's a, Brief summary, and then we'll we'll close out. But there's a, a cult, it's always a cult, that worship this tentacle god beast thing under the earth. Everybody does, yeah. And um, <laughs> there are different levels of cultists, and they have different colored cloaks. So there's gray cultists, and red cultists, and yellow cultists, and then a blue cultist that oversees everything. Each of those cultists can control the tentacles, um, but they have to roll above a 12 to summon a tentacle, and then on the next uh, check, they have to roll above a 12 to make it attack somebody. Um, so you have to use two rounds to do this. Now, each cultist only gets 1d6, so you can't roll above a 12 with 1d6. So I have to have, like, let's say I have five cultists. This is the fun part for me. Me as the DM, I'm like, do I have all five cultists this round try to, try to bring a, uh, a tentacle 
thus rolling 5d6 to get over a 12? Um, or do I have three of them try to summon a tentacle and two of them fight? Do I, you know, and so you're allowing free attacks on your cultists, but potentially I could get this tentacle out that can't really be killed. Like you can do damage to it, but it'll just retract. It doesn't actually die because it's just a huge tentacle monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And then the red cultists have 2d6 and the yellow cultists automatically have 3d6. And I think the blue one can do it automatically because that's like the final fight. But uh, I'm really excited. I like that mechanic. Um, and there's even a way for the players to like reverse engineer the magic so they can kind of control the tentacles. And I thought that was whoa, really whoa, fun. Now you're talking. So. Um, every adventure that I play with DCC usually has something cool like that. And it's, they're just, they really, they really do that or put a lot of effort into, into making it fun for the dungeon master as well. So every adventure I always create has some type of cultist at work in it. For some reason, I love the idea of adventurers having to stop the cultists from doing what they're doing. (laughs) They make such good bad guys. Oh yeah. I, I have like a, when I was researching demons (laughs) and stuff, uh, for the channel, Zagutmoy, the fungus demon, was like my favorite. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to do like a cult of Zagutmoy. And they're like myconids and they're this and, and they're infecting people with spores. And I was like, ah, and like you you start thinking like that. And then you have a whole campaign based around this like yeah. cult. And cults are great. They're funny. Uh, you're in a cult. Call your dad. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. Thank you so much for watching. Thank Yay. you so much for subscribing and liking and sharing with a friend and telling people about the show as a whole. Uh, we really appreciate it, um, getting the word out and things like that. Rate us on iTunes. That really helps, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to this as a podcast. It would be really great. Mm-hmm. We also look forward to your comments below. Um, tell us about the show. Tell us about what games you're playing, what's cool, what's happening. Uh, it's fun. We do read all the comments, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, Lucian, anything before we take off? No, thanks for showing up to our Saturday morning D&D show. Can't wait till we're back next week, and definitely join the conversation in the comments and tell us what were your inspirations for this coming week. Uh, Tell us about your Bardic inspirations. I want to hear about them. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Take care, everybody. We will see you uh, next Saturday for another episode of the Saturday morning D and D show. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.